And now, a bit of romance. Two girls on a quest to find which rom-com is the best. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hello, and welcome to P.S. I Love Rom-coms, the podcast about best friends to confide in, carriages to ride in, and parlors to hide in. We're your hosts. I'm Allie. And I'm Mia. P.S. I Love Rom-coms is a rom-com review podcast where each week Allie and I try to answer the question, which rom-com is the best rom-com of all time? For the month of August, we've decided to celebrate one of the rom-com founding mothers, Jane Austen, and P.S. I Love Rom-coms is Austin August. Over the next couple of weeks, we plan on watching a movie adaptation from every one of Jane's six novels. So grab your shawls and hop into a Baruch Landor, because we're <laughs> about to be lost in some Austin, baby! Woo! Joining us today to celebrate Jane are Janeites and the host of the Jane Austen podcast, Sips and Sensibility. And if they were in a Jane Austen novel, they would be the Bennett sisters because they are simply the most lovely ladies in all the neighborhood. You guys, it's Julia McCool, Lori Patsinger, and Beth Vinson. <laughs> what a wonderful compliment to be compared to the Bennett sisters. Uh, that's Thank so you sweet. so much. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, we are so excited to be here. Speaking of who you all would be in an Austin novel, let's get into our first segment called Which Rom-Com Hero Heroine Are You Channeling? Where we equate the experience we've had this week with a famous rom-com hero or heroine. But for Austin Nuggets, we are switching it up and sticking to characters that are only in Austin novels. And I can start us off this week. This week I'm channeling Fanny Dashwood. Because Fanny Dashwood <laughs> is obsessed and is always like, oh my gosh, he's got a barouche. Did you know he has a barouche? He's taking a ride in the barouche. And that's, and that's me right now because I am in the midst of sort of like a slow roll move and I'm slowly like replacing all the furniture in my life. And I've become really fixated on a new term that I've discovered for a dresser, which is a mid-century modern walnut dresser. And it's sort of <laughs> ruined my ability to consider any other dresser. And I'm constantly just looking for mid-century modern walnut dresser. But the issue is that mid-century modern walnut dressers are very expensive. And so I feel like it's their... Um, they're like the barouche of me, except for I'm sort of like a not classy relative that's like, can I borrow your barouche? <laughs> can you sell your barouche? <laughs> um, so that's, um, yeah, I, I get what she's saying. She's fixated on it. Um, I'm sort of fixated on my dresser. So I am sadly um, identifying with Vinny Dashwood this week. Um, Allie, who are you channeling? Uh, yeah, and I'll just say anything that says mid-century just gives like I feel like furniture makers like an excuse to knock it up a hundred dollars. It's oh, like absolutely, uh, uh, in this case, it's always overpriced. Oh my gosh, if you're yeah, in this case, I feel like they're not. It's like they're adding like eight hundred dollars on. It's shocking. Um, yeah, but it's I get it because we all it's you know it's like it's the. 17, 1800s, everyone wants a barouche. Now it's like 2021, all of a sudden, everybody wants mid-century modern walnut dresser, you know, apparently. I actually up. have. <gasps> I actually have a mid-century modern walnut dresser. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Facebook Marketplace jackpot. I got it for oh like $125. Oh my and God. it's glorious. Now, we had to spend like $125. And we had to oh spend like gosh. two hours cleaning spider webs off of it, but it was so worth it. And it's <laughs> just so beautiful. It's shining. Oh it's in a God. place of prominence in our house. It's, uh, it's truly a staple. So get, I completely understand. 
<laughs> I mean, you wouldn't park your barouche in the back of the estate. You know, you'd no, show them. No, no, no. This thing is right by the front door, right when you come in. It's got a place of honor. Yes. Wow. Oh my god, that's incredible. I'm both so envious but so happy for you. I am just <laughs> wow wow wow. But you know what? It's also giving me faith that I too could find my barouche of dressers. So I will keep an eye out. And you know what? I have not looked at Facebook Marketplace today, so that's where I'm gonna look after this episode. Good tip. Good tip for all Good our tip. listeners. <laughs> um Yeah, I think this week um I'm okay, I'm channeling Catherine Moreland. I think this week, just because this past weekend, um, like two of my like very like cool college friends were like, hey, Allie, what if we like went to Sonoma this weekend and went like wine tasting? <laughs> um, and I was like, what? <laughs> you want to take me wine tasting? I'm just a little country girl. Like I'm not <laughs> used to the big city. And they're like, no, 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 come along with us. And so um, this past weekend, I went wine tasting and it's just like wow who am I I feel like so like luxurious I feel like I'm I don't know in the show Big Little Lies like drinking (laughs) wine and like looking out onto like picturesque landscapes and like drinking white wine during the day (laughs) what um anytime I day drink I always feel like I'm in Big Little Lies um but yeah and so I just had like a very like indulgent weekend where I felt like I was maybe a little bit higher class than I really am. Mm. Um, kind of like Catherine feels like when she goes to Northanger Abbey where she's like, I'm really not rich. It just looks like I'm rich because I'm here with you people, but I'm not. Um, and so, yeah, I had a bit of a like adventure. I felt like a little bit of a young heroine this weekend and it was very fun. Um, except for after you spend the day drinking, you get this really kind of weird, like nighttime hangover that I don't um, <laughs> recommend. And I don't really recommend day drinking either. But uh, yep, that's what that's who I'm channeling this week. Um, but Julia, who are you channeling? Well, I just have to say, Ali, like the nighttime hangover thing. Catherine would interpret that as like some kind of demonic possession, you know, like <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. she would be looking for the ghosts in this situation. Um, but I had to think really hard about who I was channeling because I've mentioned this on our po- podcast before. I am like a Marianne just in my daily life all the time. So I was like, okay, but this specific week, who am I channeling? And the answer surprised me. I am channeling <laughs> Emma Woodhouse, pretty hardcore for a couple of reasons. Earlier this week, um, my brother is in college and uh, he is looking for a a new girl. Um, And I have been trying to matchmake him forever, but it's never been like super successful. He doesn't want to listen to me. But this week he finally did. And I was just so excited. Like I was like, hey, you should check out this girl. And he like looked her up and he was like, Oh, I think I will. And I was like, do you will? And then I started like talking her up and I was like, wow, I am basically pushing, you know, my brother into this matchmaking situation, just like Emma pushed Harriet into Mr. Elton. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then today I kind of had like a rough day at work and I went straight to Dairy Queen to get a blizzard. And And I was like, you know what? This reminds me exactly of... After Harriet got her heart broken by Mr. Elton, Emma was like, 
quick fix band-aid solution puppies let's do this and i was like my quick fix band-aid solution is blizzards so oh I'm my gosh Blizzards are incredible medicine. They are incredible Mm -hmm. medicine. And I have to ask, what flavor blizzard did you get? Okay, so I've never gotten this before. Usually I'm like a midnight dark chocolate blizzard kind of a girl. And this time I did, it was like an Oreo fudge (gasps) situation. Like like flakes of dark chocolate and like Oreo chunks. It was (gasps) so good. Oh, Oh, you're really making me want ice cream right now. Incredible. I think okay. I have to go to Dairy well, while I look at Facebook Marketplace after this episode. Do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Mia has her evening planned. Um, <laughs> Sounds like an ideal night, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Furniture shopping and then eating ice cream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Picturesque. Um, awesome. Julia, an incredible channel. Um, Beth, who are you channeling this week? Well, I'm actually channeling one of my greatest loves, which would be Elizabeth Bennett. Ah, yes. Um, normally, yes. I'm completely the Eleanor to Julia's Marianne. Like we talk about that all <laughs> the time. I am the pragmatic side of things. But this weekend, actually, the three of us are getting together and seeing each other in person. And we started our podcast a little over a year ago. And we have only been in person together twice since then. And it's never been like just the three of us. There's been other people around. And so this is a a trip with the three of us plus our husbands. And so this is just going to be so fun. I'm so excited. So I feel just like Elizabeth Bennett looking forward to her trip with the gardeners, like such eager anticipation and so excited for what is bound to be a great time. Oh my, oh my gosh. That's incredible. That's going to be so fun that you guys get to see each other. Yes. In 24 hours, we'll be together. Oh my gosh. Less than 24. Less than 24. That's amazing. And, and you're going on the classic Austin trip. Well, ladies trip. Yeah. Yeah. There's always an Austin ladies trip. The ladies are always tripping. Yes. Wow. Yeah. You're dragging your husbands along, but I think they'll have a good time too. Yeah. Every now and then the husbands are there. So that works. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, Lori, 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 who are you channeling? Well, it's actually kind of funny that you two both brought up Eleanor and Marianne because I am challenging. I am channeling Eleanor this week. Oh, I have God. been looking forward to this trip for way too long. We have daily, uh, it's only so-and-so sleeps until the end of this week. So I've been very rational in like, this is how many days are left. This is how many hours are left. I have a packing list written up. <laughs> I'm very uh, putting things in their boxes and making sure I'm not spending too much uh, time on anything trying to pass the time till this weekend <laughs> being very economical uh, yeah it sounds like managing your emotions being very sort of managing like, your yes. emotions yes. very much so <laughs> oh, oh my, my gosh God. i love that oh that's so fun that you guys are all gonna see each other again oh yes it. we're so excited just so excited <laughs> Oh, well, speaking of uh, traveling to be reunited with friends or <laughs> friends that feel like family, let's get into our movie discussion, shall we? This week, we watched the film Love and Friendship, the 2016 adaptation of Lady Susan, directed and adapted by Whit Stillman. In this film, the widow Lady Susan Vernon, played by Kate Beckinsale, arrives at her brother-in-law's residence, Churchill, with a matchmaking plan for her and her daughter, 
after her last attempt at mannering failed spectacularly. Much to the dismay of her sister-in-law, Catherine Vernon, her brother, Reginald de Courcy, is charmed by Lady Susan, causing the de Courcy family to be deeply suspicious of Lady Susan's motives. But few people are equal to the schemes of Lady Susan, who always manages to get her way. Love and Friendship was based on Jane Austen's epistolary novel, Lady Susan. And if you're like me and have no idea what an epistolary novel is, it's a novel (laughs) that's written as a series of documents, usually in letters, but it can also be like in modern day, like emails or texts or something like that. Oh, so like Where'd You Go, Um, Bernadette is an epistolary novel. Yeah. I haven't read that novel, but I think that's probably, it's like bunches of letters, right? It is. Yeah. It's a bunch of letters and emails. It's great. Great book. (laughs) Did they make that into a show with with Kate Blanchett? It, it got made into a it's movie. A movie, I, a think. movie yeah. I think because it's yeah. an epistolary novel, I feel like it's a harder one to translate. Mm. In, yeah. Which I guess, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I guess is what happened here. But it was yeah, it was harder to translate. Yeah. I think. Okay, interesting. Um, but yeah, so Lady Susan was written in 1794. It was like I think one of the earlier things that she wrote, but she never published it. It wasn't published until. I think after her death and I saw some dates that said 1874, but then I also saw one that said 1871 in the early 1870s. Um, But so this early complete work, which the author never submitted for publication describes the schemes of the titular character, Lady Susan and her spectacular ability to flirt and manipulate. So let's start off our love and friendship discussion with the ladies from sips and sensibility. We want to know what your guys' history with Jane Austen has been, and when did you start getting interested in her work? Um, And I'll toss the discussion first off to Julia. Well, thank you for asking that question. I always love to talk about this. So um, (laughs) my introduction to Jane Austen was actually the... Uh, adaptation of Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow, which I know yeah. you guys have watched. I love that movie. Um, so and so I watched that with my parents and my sister when I was, I think, like 12 years old. And I just fell in love with the story and the romance and the period costumes. Um, mm. Then I got to see uh, the Sense and Sensibility adaptation with Emma Thompson that I just died over then of course the 2005 film so I loved these adaptations of Austin then in high school I read Pride and Prejudice for the first time in my sophomore English class um, and I just ugh, I adored it so after that I fell in love with all the books and read all of her novels um, and my love for Austin has just been growing ever since I got to be in a Pride and Prejudice play senior year of high school where I played Mrs. <gasps> Bennett and Oh, it was so much fun. Obviously, I kind of wanted to be Elizabeth, but like screaming, running around, being just the nervous Mrs. Bennett was so much fun. Um, And then I met these girls in college and our love for Jane Austen just kind of fed off each other. And so it's been a huge part of my life ever since. Oh, I love that. Also, yes, Mrs. Bennett would be uh, the character to play. It was so so fun. Yeah, I think Mrs. Bennett's probably the most fun character. Because, like, in the Mm -hmm. 2005 adaptation, Mr. Collins might be the most fun character. But if it is, like, a play that doesn't have that specific take on Mr. Collins, I do think Mrs. Bennett is going to have the most fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. Oh, uh, Lori, tell me a little bit about your history with with Jane. Well, I think I read... Pride and Prejudice first, which is 
very on brand for me. Um, <laughs> during high school, um, probably about sophomore year, similar to Julia, and then read it again my senior year of high school for a project, loved it, didn't really like fall in love, love with it, and then went to college and saw the 2005 mm, Pride and Prejudice movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. It does things to me. Yes. (laughs) And I I, love it. Yes. Um, So once I saw that, obviously, I jumped headfirst into the Austin train. Um, I currently (laughs) collect editions of Pride and Prejudice. I think I have like 18 now. Um, Oh, my gosh. Every like location I go to or if my friends go someplace, I say, like, look for a cool version of Pride and Prejudice. So I have some from like... um, Portugal. I've got one from London. Wow. Um, oh my and then God. a bunch like around Georgia. But, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And then we had our own little Austin kind of romantic year, our junior year. And the three of us got really close. We lived in a haunted house, um, <laughs> quite literally in the basement of said haunted house. We were channeling sense and sensibility poorness right there. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of snowballed from there. Lori's not joking, by the way, this house was built in the 1800s. And so there was like oh documented God. history of like spooky deaths and like <gasps> ghost appearances. There was a banshee in yeah. our garden. But one of my favorite oh. things was that one of the ghosts was this old lady in a brown dress who would just put her about the garden and I was like that's so cute though <laughs> did you guys ever see ghosts when you were there I personally Not didn't off the top of my head there was a couple times where I might have seen something out of the corner of my eye I'm also just like super paranoid about stuff like that yeah um so it like brought me great joy to learn that the banshee now resides in the graveyard behind the house and it's not like it <laughs> wasn't in the gardens. Uh, but there was definitely some times where like the hairs on the back of your neck would stand up and it's like, oh my is gosh. something watching me? Oh my God. Trying not to think about it. No. And it was really creepy. It was just, we had a lot of other things to distract us because we had, we're in the South and we had no air conditioning and we had no heat in the winter and it was three bedrooms and we ended up putting all six of our beds in one room because we could only plug in one heater at a time without the power going off. So we had a lot oh. of problems to deal with at the time. <laughs> That's so, we so Dashwood oh sisters being like, yes. Ooh, <laughs> we're so cold. We were clinging to the joy that Jane Austen brought us during that <laughs> dark and terrible time. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my That's so God. Dashwoody. Wow. That's amazing. It's so Dashwoody. A little bit like Catherine Morlandy mm-hmm. too. Yeah. With all the spookiness. Um, oh my gosh. I, uh, I'm sorry that you had such a um uncomfortable living situation but it sounds like it really like bonded you guys together no, it's, um, it's a oh, great yes. party story too you know yeah. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's incredible and then um beth would you like to tell us a little bit about your relationship with jane austen yes uh when i was in I think I was in middle school when I was probably like 12 years old. My mom decided to indoctrinate me into the world of (laughs) rom-coms. And we would stay up in the summer, probably around like seven o'clock, we would start watching rom-coms and we would stay up until midnight, just watching movie after movie. 
And it was so much fun. And so that was the very first time I saw the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> which I know you guys also love. Um, that is just my favorite movie, hands down, of all time. And it started right there in the basement watching a movie with my mom. So we ended up making our way through pretty much all of Austin's movies together. And that was really special. And then I ended up reading the books on my own. Um, I'm a really big audiobook person. I love listening to audiobooks. So I have listened to all of her books on audio tape and audio tape on Audible. (laughs) And I absolutely love it. And I think it's easier for me to understand like her writing when I listen to it and I catch more that way. So I did that um, in high school and college. And then when I was in college, I took a class called Jane Austen on film, which was (gasps) the greatest class. Of all time. (laughs) It was like doing podcasts, but all the time and for school credit. (laughs) It was the greatest thing. So I absolutely loved it. And I got really into the world of web series when I (laughs) when I took that class. So there are some Beth Benson produced Julia McCool starred in uh, obscure web series out there (laughs) on the internet that were inspired um, by the Lizzie Bennett Diaries and really just finding those modern adaptations of her work completely cemented um, my love for her and it's just continued to grow. Oh, I love that. That's so incredible. That web series was like the highlight of my acting career. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, actually, it's called okay, Juliet's what's it, Journal. What's it called? Yes, Juliet's Journal. It's yes, it's Romeo Juliet's and Juliet, Juliet, not actually Jane Austen. That's oh incredible. But it's smart. You were like, great. I'm gonna. You're like, I saw the Lizzie. Yeah, you're like, I see. I see you, Lizzie Diaries. I'm gonna do Juliet's Journal. Yes, you guys. I yes, love that. I did a, wow. I did a Jane Austen on film course the first semester, and then I did Shakespeare and the Teenage Girl the second semester. So Ooh. it just went together so well. Oh my gosh. Okay, these are awesome courses. college courses. I'm so yeah. jealous. So jealous. Uh, shout out to Dr. Flaherty. She's the best English oh. professor that ever existed. Oh, Love her oh so God. much. I want, a, I want a Dr. Flaherty. Um, <laughs> I know. That's amazing. All of your relationships with Austin are so special um, and, and like come from like like similar cores, but like very different experiences. It makes sense that you guys have the lovely Sips and Sensibility podcast. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Had, had you all seen this adaptation before? I saw it when it came out. I saw it in theaters with my mom, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and we were so excited. And um, we didn't love it. <laughs> we, we were so disappointed. I think that's... <laughs> Just because it's so different from the typical yes. Austin yes. Yeah. You go in thinking you're going to get like a 2005 Pride and Prejudice or a 1995 Sense and Sensibility. And this is very much not that. <laughs> I, I feel differently now and I'll wait to say that, but it was a very interesting experience. So oh, this was actually my, my first time watching it. And a huge part of the reason that it was my first time is because Beth texted me in a fury when she saw it for the first time. And I was like, well, I am not wasting my time and money. So this is my first time. Oh my God. Incredible. 
incredible. Lori, did you also <laughs> issue it yes. for best, best review? <laughs> I also uh, did not watch it until this episode uh, because Beth too warned me not to watch this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I feel like having that warning of this is not what you think it might be going into the movie prepares you. Yeah, like it's almost helpful in bracing for yeah. the, the tonal shift. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, actually, we'll, put, we'll I, put my uh, my hatred for <laughs> <laughs> <to> good use. <laughs> yeah, I no, I felt I felt similarly in that we've been, we've just been sort of like in a warm bath all month long of Austin, um, you know, pastoral romantic bliss, and then uh, and then when I sat down to watch this adaptation, it was also my first time, and similarly, I was like oh my god this is different (laughs) and I was like really uncomfortable for like the like a first little bit like because I couldn't like Mm -hmm. I couldn't get my bearings and I was like what how is this gonna work and then after a while I got like really into it and I sort of just came to the conclusion that was like okay this is as if like um like Isabella what's her name Isabella Thorne like got her own like was the protagonist Mm-hmm. Is that more like Mariah Bertram? Exactly. As well. mm-hmm. Like, what if? Yeah. These, what if? Like, yeah. What if? Um, some of these more like shallow or like manipulative characters, or not even that she is, because this is what my initial thought. I was like, oh my, like it's like it's like sort of like what if they were the protagonists? And I was like, that's so interesting, and I'm so like yeah. obviously turned off by this behavior. But then I'm also like, wow, what a commentary on the time, and you're mm-hmm. just seeing yes. these women who are using like mm-hmm. the only power that they have, and I've just become like very indifferent to the to the fact that like that is just the way of the world and then by the end I was like this is badass like this is like a badass point of view yeah it's, um, it's interesting because she's dislikable like Emma is dislikable as a character yeah. but it's in a totally different way yes, totally and I was like yeah. at first I was like taking it at face value and then all of a sudden it turned on like I got, it got turned on its head for me and then I was like oh my god I'm on her side and Allie are you yeah. you you've seen Lady Susan before right what's what's your oh, sorry love and friendship what's your yeah. relationship with love and friendship like yeah I saw love and friendship in theaters with my mom too <laughs> <laughs> yes yes moms uh, we yes. love our lo- Jane loving love our Jane Austen, Austen moms. moms yeah yes. love our Austen moms um, yeah, I saw it in theaters with my mom, and we both loved it um, so much so that because, um, like, when we saw it, it wasn't like there weren't a lot of people in the theater. Surprise! Not many people want to see a <laughs> obscure Jane Austen uh, adaptation. Um, it was like so there weren't many people, and it was like opening weekend, and my mom and I were like the only two like some of the only people in the theater and we were laughing out loud so hard especially <laughs> during all the all the insane like mr martin bits yes. where oh, he was like yes. oh my god what are these peas um and uh afterwards they had posters and since there was no one in the theater my mom and i took like five love and friendship posters because we're like we love this movie and so oh, uh um, yeah, I saw it. I I loved it because it was just so. It was just. I mean, I was so surprised that like Jane Austen could write something like this during you know what uh, night uh, seventeen ninety four, um, and that it was just so ahead of its time in so many ways. Like the fact that the heroine is like 
35 is an adulteress um <laughs> but is like also incredibly intelligent incredibly manipulative and very funny and just she's so funny and so selfish and like i just found it really i mean we don't even have characters like lady susan in you know 2020 like mm-hmm. you just don't see female yeah. characters like that but you see them all the time with like you know, the Joker or whatever, like these kind of like unlikable male Mm. characters and like Walter White. And so it was like very exciting for me to see like this character who was just like a very smart, selfish woman. And um, it's just astounding that, yeah, she wrote this in 1794. And I kept looking, I like, while I was doing research for this episode, I kept trying to like look for what the public's response was when they did publish this. And I just couldn't, find it anywhere um but that's something i'm i was curious about it's like i wonder what people in like 1870 thought about lady susan yeah like was she complete villain to them or were they like yeah or is was there like a like a flashback perspective of like what if a woman <laughs> was like just being like fine this is the this is the game i'm gonna play um i yeah. you know who she reminds me of in modern day is i huh. For the first half of this, I was like, I feel like this is if like the stepmom from Fleabag had a movie about her. <laughs> uh, they just remind me so much of each other. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Should, okay, so should we go through? Okay, should we go through and just talk about um, what what we think of Lady Susan as a character, and or maybe like what we think about this adaptation, and like kind of like the things that we think it did well and maybe the things that like it struggled with a little bit because like while I love the character of Lady Susan I definitely felt a little bit of like whiplash in this story mm. between jumping from like yes. Churchill to London mm-hmm. and I think that's just because you know it was based off of a book of letters and so uh, I'm sure the characters just bopped around a lot faster in the book because we're hearing their correspondence um so I guess yeah, structure like movie structure wise, wh- what do we think? What do we think about yeah how this adaptation did? Um, and uh, I'll throw it first to Julia. Yeah, that was one thing that I was going to mention about this movie. I, I do want to clarify. I did mention <laughs> that Beth, uh, I hadn't seen it because she told me she didn't like it, but I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was so much fun. Um, and just like you guys were talking about, just like the uh, badass feminism of the fact that Jane Austen wrote this character at this yeah. time. So cool that she was like, honestly, brave enough to write a, a heroine like that, you know? Um, yeah. But I thought that the the tone of this movie and the way it was edited was so cool. And it really lent itself to the story that they were telling, you know, like it was cutting edge. And one thing that really I feel like illustrates that is like the intro where they do yeah. the spotlights yeah. on the different characters. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't know if it necessarily worked for me because they introduced all these people. And then I was like, wait, who are they? But like later on, I was watching the movie. I was like, wait, wait, who's that? But it was cool. It was very cool. And I felt like yeah. it really showed you like, you're like buckle up buddy you're in for a ride kind of a thing (laughs) yeah Um, and the other thing that I loved that this movie did was it was just a very specific scene um the 
de Courcy's are reading a letter from their daughter and the mother oh, yeah. is having trouble seeing. So she has her husband read it. And first of all, I just thought it was hilarious because it's such an accurate portrayal of like male, female dynamics. I feel like at least in my experience where yeah. like you're trying to get details from a conversation from a guy and he's like, yeah, it was good. And you're like, no, I need the details. So then they tell you a little bit more and you're like, can you just like word for word share with yeah. me? Um, yeah. So like in the scene, they're like flashing the words from um, the letter on the screen and the way they did that was so cool and I just thought it was like so fun and really funny the way um, that they did that and the way that he read the letter like he winds up reading the letter and then like saying the punctuation as it happens because his wife's being so nitpicky and she's like stop doing that and then she just like grabs the letter from him but um, but yeah I loved the movie and like I thought the way that it was shot really um just kind of prepared you for the fact that this was a this is a different period piece and then also like mm-hmm. this is a different kind of message if that makes sense yeah yeah no that totally makes sense i yeah th- i hope th- the th- same way this, oh, go, oh go ahead Al. oh just uh, just that this movie is like it, yeah it, it has a different like feeling than the typical kind of like pastoral sense and sensibility mm. where we have a lot of b-roll of sheep you know <laughs> uh, we have a lot of like you know images of people slowly slicing ham but this was like <laughs> definitely I felt like they're just it was just packed with jokes mm. packed with jokes yes um visual jokes like yeah that those like written words and then just like so many wonderful character jokes um, as well. But Mia, what were you? What were you oh, going to say? No, I was. Yeah, I was going to say those. Like, I don't know what you would call them. Yeah, like those character plates. They're not quite interstitials, but I. Yeah, I fully agree, Julia. As soon as those started, I was like, wait a minute, what am I watching? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, like, and I agree, they didn't quite fit in the end because I think ultimately it did make it more confusing up top. <laughs> Shows like between like four and six people right away and like and their relations to other people and you were sort of like what and like when she was driving mm-hmm. away in the carriage and they were screaming I was like what is happening and then, yeah. and then I was like it, it became clear later but I yeah, they introduced that. one guy and then you didn't actually see his face until like literally the end of the movie <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> I was so confused and then at one, and then at one point when the clergyman showed up I was like was he in an interstitial in the beginning I was like he is was. he gonna go with Frederica I was like, yeah, I thought the same thing. I was totally shipping them. He was so cute. There was like a hot vibe. Yes, that would make sense. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, similar countenances. Um, But I did appreciate. I do love like because we've seen so many sort of of those like straight BBC adaptations, which I freaking Mm. love and are my favorite. But it is fun <laughs> to see something like this. And even though if it didn't quite um, economize the knowledge of characters, mm. at least it did make me <laughs> be like, wow, I was, what else could be done with these adaptations? Like it, it was a fun, mm-hmm. it was, it was fun to see a strong take like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually, um, sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 please go ahead. I actually disliked it a lot less this time than I did originally. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think I'm never going to be able to let go of how much I didn't like it at first. (laughs) It was such a bad, like, first impression and first reaction. Of course. I mean, no, and she's intended to be, I think, hard to like. 
Yeah. Five years later, I, I feel like my wounds have healed a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it's also I, helped me a lot to know that it was um, based on a collection of letters as a book because I mm. didn't know that the first time I watched it and I didn't actually look it up until I was halfway through the movie this time. But you feel like you're kind of dropped into scenes and it doesn't yeah. have as much of a natural flow like a lot of the other Austin movies do. And so having yeah. that knowledge that it is coming from letters helps a lot because it completely informs the story and the way that they choose right. to portray it. And, and I, so many like one-on-one yes. convos, like so many things yes. like yeah. Chloe Sevigny walking. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I, I, I want to read this one because I sense. haven't. And I can just totally, I think it would, I would think it would make me like the movie even more to actually have read the letters. Um, oh, and you know what's wild? I read that, or I read an interview with the director Stillman, and he said that both Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice were originally epistolary novels mm-hmm. that she later <gasps> came back to and then turned them into modernized dramas. So, no. yes, I think yeah. I did know that so, about Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I can't imagine that, that story being written that way. Yeah. Right. No, I like I, that's crazy to me, and I'm like, wow, that might that might be her process, and maybe she mm-hmm. intended to come back to this piece and make it a modernized drama. Which did Stillman do that? Did he make it a modernized drama? I don't know. Yeah, I guess he did. Yeah. Well, he wrote an he, I think he like yeah, he stuck pretty like it seemed like from the movie that he stuck pretty close to because you're right, like so many of the scenes were just like you know, Mrs. Johnson and, and Lady Susan just like talking and it's like, oh, this was definitely like a letter that Lady mm-hmm. Susan wrote to Mrs. Johnson because Mrs. Johnson is very quiet in this scene mm. and Lady Susan is just talking a lot in this carriage <laughs> right now. Yeah. So it's kind of like, this was definitely a letter that is now a scene in a carriage kind of a thing. Yes, but, this, um, this explains mm-hmm. why she's monologuing. I understand now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this seeing this movie again also made me want to read the letters and there was something that I missed this time too where I was like I was like oh yeah she and DeCourcy were engaged but you don't really see them ever agree to it just later they're like yes yeah. we do have a romantic yes. understanding and I was like when did that happen I missed that yeah. Um, but. <laughs> yeah that was one thing that I was going to mention that I do feel like it really that was one thing that I missed that I wish they would have added more in was like the conversations between them because like you kind of see them flirting from afar but I feel like it would yeah. have been almost more powerfully awkward if you actually saw them like kind of falling in love and then like the irony of him marrying her daughter I don't know and then (laughs) yeah right yeah like yeah like and that makes sense because in letters you wouldn't propose over letter so Mm. it's like that happened between the letters and then Mm, probably shows up in the letters which means there's still room for somebody to go ahead and throw some of that BBC sheep energy Mm. onto this epistolary story (laughs) make it a modernized drama get Emma Thompson in there and Sophie Thompson (laughs) Um, seems like Mia wants to direct another adaptation (laughs) of Lady Susan I'll take on Lady Susan I think it would be so funny to put it in that like lovely energy but still have it just be an absolutely unhinged widow (laughs) that could be really fun I would love to see Lady right. Susan, you know, react to sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, you want to um, get back to acting? Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Lady Susan's oh diaries. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. If I tell my parents I'm going to be in an Austin, that is not what I'm going to be expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, 
Lori, Lori, what did you think of this adaptation? Uh, where did you think it like hit the mark? And where did you think it missed the mark? I definitely had no idea who the characters were after like the first five minutes. <laughs> because they like Julia said they like show them to you in rapid fire. And I was like, wait, wait, hold on. Who is who? What's going on? There's and heading, then I got to the end. and parentheses. It's so much <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, who is, cr- I'll say the word crushing. Uh, who is trying to manipulate who to get a wedding ring? Who is like falling heads over heels? Like who's trying to run away? Like it's very confusing. But yeah. I did love kind of the like rapid cinematography. It was really cool. And it gave you a sense of that like letter feel yeah yeah no it definitely Some, did oh god oh no no you me like you oh i was gonna do something completely random but sorry but just the, just that specific <laughs> element of the film it really reminded me of this this board game i played one time that's like a jane austen <laughs> board game it's like a jane austen board game and everyone has little playing cards and you're trying to like um, it's like you roll the dice and grab a card and then it's like, oh, you, you're sick. You have to stay home from the ball or like, oh, <laughs> wait, wait, what is this game? I, I, I don't know. Our, um, Allie and my friend, Rachel Van Ness has it. I'll ask her and we can play it. We'll play it. Um, we're, yeah, can we play this game? Yeah. We're huge board game people. You have to send that to us after this. Oh yes. my God. Oh, should I text her? I'm going to text her and ask what it's called and we'll find out. Oh, is, it, it, uh, no. <laughs> is it Mary, Mr. Darcy? Yeah, it is. Marrying Mr. Dicey. Marrying Mr. Dicey. Yeah, I've had that like on my Christmas list a couple of years in a row to be like, should I add it? Is it worth it? (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Throw an asterisk on it. I have to get it. It was very fun. (laughs) Is the goal of the game to like marry Mr. Darcy you're trying to get like proposed to? I think so. I I, haven't, I played it like four oh. years ago, I think, or three years ago. But it's like something where it's like you're playing, you're trying to, like, you can like accumulate skills. I think I think you can accumulate like needlepoint. <laughs> like you can learn certain... how to play piano forte or something. <laughs> yeah. And I think you can do different things. Like, I think you can try to be like mm. an accomplished ingenue or you can like maybe try to like get alone with him. <laughs> I think it's like you could be sort of like an Isabella Thorne or Lizzie Bennett. Oh, I love oh this. God. Okay, I have to get this before our, our weekend this weekend. Before oh our weekend. Yes. You have to find it. Yeah, that would be so fun to play. I want to play that with you, Mia. Oh my gosh, Allie. Well, okay, well, well she literally has it, so we will 1000% play it once I get back in two weeks. And oh my God, yes. I'm verify that that's what it's called before I make you guys buy it for your trip. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, oh, I was just going to, um, I was just going to transition into like, we've talked a little bit about like what we think works with the adaptation and what's like a little bit jarring for us, but what I, I want to bop into like favorite characters, like what characters do we really love? Um, like who, mm. who are all of our favorite characters and then, um, any other kind of like, uh, things about the movie that we loved before we get into things that we didn't love so much. Um, and I'll start off and I'll say the costumes in this movie were incredible. Yes. Um, I was obsessed with that purple dress that Lady <gasps> Susan wears. It's like, oh, yes, very per- like she's a widow, mm-hmm. so she can get away with like dark colors and kind of like crazier like fabrics and things. And I read that like 
they didn't have, they had like a pretty small budget. I think it was like 18 million for this movie, which is like small mm-hmm. for like a studio film. Um, but the costumer like hand, like made couture, like sewed all of the dresses for Lady Susan and for uh, Mrs. Johnson, which is kind of unheard of for these Austin adaptations that yeah. we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Usually, the in these um, these like nineties <laughs> yeah. adaptations, oh, yeah. <laughs> all of the women are just wearing like the same dresses that all the other actresses wore for like all the other adaptations. Like, I'm pretty hilarious. sure a dress that yes. like Marianne wears in Sense and Sensibility, um, like Kate Winslet, is a dress that like the Marianne wore in like the sense and sensibility from like the eighties. Oh, um, <laughs> we have a running so joke that the BBC only has like 10 actors <laughs> and maybe 12 dresses <laughs> and they just rotate what they need. That's exactly it. And I, man, I, I've been telling Mia, I was like, I wish that I was a British actor in the nineties, because if you were, you were just in every single Jane Austen adaptation. Like, like you said, Lori, they just use the same actors over and over again. Yeah, and I like wish Amanda I could have been Roo, one of them. Yeah, oh, God. Yes. Like Amanda Root was supposed to be Marianne in Sense Sensibility, and she was yeah. at, like Anne in Persuasion. Also, quick update from my friend Rachel. Okay, the game is actually oh. a different game. I just have heard of marrying Mr. Darcy. This game was okay. called Lords and Ladies. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. Lords and Ladies. But all this stuff, I, I stand by everything else I said about it. Is that it? That's how you play it. <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Oh Back gosh. to dunking on the BBC that we adore. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I would say my favorite character, um, man, I I'm gonna say I thought that the actor who played um, Samuel de Courcy, I think his, I think his name is like Xavier, Xavier um, Samuel. Xavier Samuel. Oh, it's his name Xavier Samuel. Yes, and then yes. what's DeCourcy's first name? The young DeCourcy. Reginald. DeCourcy. Reginald. Yeah. Uh, Reginald. How could Reginald. I forget? <laughs> Reginald. I thought Reginald DeCourcy did a really good job. I think he was pretty, he was handsome mm. and young, and I totally believed his beguiled uh, looks, and I loved when he was defending Lady Susan. So mm. I liked him a lot. I'd say he's my favorite character. Um, uh, Julia, what about you? Who's your favorite character and maybe like a favorite thing or moment or joke? Yeah, I honestly like I thought all of the actors in this did just such an incredible job. They were all so fun to watch and they all had such gr- great comedic timing. Um, and we we're joking about this earlier. But seriously, guys, that priest in the scene, where <laughs> Frederick is like, she was like, what about what's the fourth commandment? And, you know, her mom's like, oh, it's honoring your father and your mother. And he's like, that's not the fourth commandment. (laughs) He's so excited about the commandments and he's so cute. I just like, I loved it. That was one of my favorite moments. Just like how excited he was about the commandments. Um, Oh, that's my favorite. I think we should decide everything. So cute. Um, But I also really loved the guy who played Charles Vernon, um, Justin Edwards. I thought he was such a fun character too because everyone around him is, well, not everyone, but so many of the ladies are just kind of like scheming and plotting and he's just having a good time, you know? Like he's on Mr. Martin's side when people are kind of making fun of him. And also when his wife is, um, she tells her mom, oh yeah, my husband always finds something to do, you know, when I, I tell him we need to go somewhere. And she's like, hey, don't you have business in London? And he's like, 
yeah, I do have this music. (laughs) (laughs) I just loved him. So I think the priest and then um, Charles Vernon were like, honestly, some of my favorite characters, which feels so like wrong of me to say and it's like girl power movie but it's the truth so. <laughs> yeah no the men provided so much of like the kind of like silly foolish comedy mm-hmm. well like, the women were just like bad asses oh, and i'm just like mm-hmm. such a sucker for that kind of comedy too yeah yeah oh i love that um Lori, what would you say who would you say your favorite character is and or like a favorite moment or something like that I would have to say Lady Susan just girl bossing her way through the entire film, wrapping people around her finger was amazing to watch. This truly is like you're rooting for her, even though (laughs) you know it's like a little bad inside. Yeah, It's great. I loved it. Her acting, Kate Beckinsale's acting is always great. Um, Just beautiful. Love it. This was like, I think the best I've ever seen her too. Like, I feel like a lot of times, like we've watched serendipity and she's Mm -hmm. good in it, but like that role is very like, I'm a whimsical woman. I love fate fate so much. Um, And like, uh, and then seeing her in the underworld, it's just like, I can wear tight clothes and, you know, (laughs) give steely glances. And this was finally like, she, I feel like she got to show off her wit and her talent and yes. her like her humor. Like her humor is so sharp in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, have y'all watched the uh, Emma that has Kate Beckinsale? I was in about it? to mention that. No. Yes. Oh. Yes. What is that? Oh. So is she the good Emma? We watched it on um, our very first season, and I will say this is a much better fit for her. I think <laughs> much part of Lady season. She's a fine Emma, but she yeah. uh, she just thrives in this role. Mm-hmm. She definitely wasn't my favorite character, <laughs> but I still <laughs> liked her, and I thought Kate did a really good job. But I actually agree that- with Julia. Oh yeah. Oh no! I was just gonna say, who is your favorite oh, character? My favorite character is Charles Vernon as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that same scene that you're talking about, Julia, where mm-hmm. uh, his wife Catherine and I liked Catherine a lot too. But um, yeah. where Catherine was saying like he would do, you know, he'll go along with anything I say. That also made him my favorite character. <laughs> I just really liked that part. Um, yeah, yes. he was excellent. And he was just, I like it when there's just really strong supporting characters. Like the guy in the yeah. background doing the work. I'm going to like him. He's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I yes. mean, yeah, that scene is was so helpful for me and like underpinning the point of the story for me, which is with seeing mm-hmm. Mrs. Vernon, her manipulation as well, you know, and like they're judging yeah. Lady Susan mm-hmm. the whole time. I mean, like she's awful in the way she whips men and does this. And then her and her mother like, so good your husband will just do anything you suggest. And it was just <laughs> this yes. thing where I was just like, God, this is just about like how women are working their power during this time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's easy to be mad so at cool. Lady Susan for how obviously she's manipulating all of the men. Mm. But those women are doing the exact same thing. They just exactly. have like, quote unquote more I, pure motives. Right. And it's yeah. like she's just being more upfront about it and is in a more vulnerable position. It was really interesting. It was like mm. very much yeah. like, yeah, it, it wanting you to think something and then, and then challenging it. It was great. I would even argue that like Frederica, the like pure character, 
also manipulates people, but oh, she has a yeah. different tactic where yeah. she plays the victim, which is such a good manipulation oh, tactic. Oh, yeah. like, do you think she was crying to Reginald and about like her powerlessness to the guy that everybody knew was silly and didn't know what she was doing? Like, yeah, like I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. say it. I've been, I've been forbidden. Yeah, or that she didn't know if, if she said something negative about her mother. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that it would change totally yeah it's truly like a study of like the ways in which like women can work within a patriarchy that that are bizarrely still applicable till today Mm -hmm. but definitely to this time period that like if you're going to work within the confines of a patriarchy and you need to i mean like i mean the end masterful like Mm -hmm. when (laughs) <laughs> Why should she has to, you, when, when you find out she's marrying Mr. Martin, you're like, what? How? And then you're like, oh, she's pregnant. And she was like, great. Who's the dumbest? Okay. <laughs> you have a baby. It was like, God, it was just, it was badass. But that, yes. And that they're we, letting the man- mannering live with him. Yeah. <laughs> but like, and then that she has like, because you always have like men always have mistresses, and it was very mm-hmm. refreshing to see that like Lady Susan had a manstress. Mm. Um, yes, and, and uh, <laughs> that they justified. You don't feel bad for Mister Martin because he says that absolutely like horrible slash like repetitive and common point yes. of view in mm. our society that is like well men biologically need sex more than women so it makes sense that they cheat but women that's silly and i love chloe savino just being like uh, i agree <laughs> just being like I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> and, and i also just, love yeah oh go ahead oh i just love the moment at the end too where like um frederica and like uh the original de Courcy are like in like just got married and they're at the wedding and like lady Susan, who is a bad mother um, in the <laughs> end yeah, has like a moment of like goodness where she's yeah. like, I'm actually proud of my daughter. And I feel like I actually taught her something about how to survive in this world in a way that she figured out that she had to go against her mother's wishes and manipulate people around her to get what she wanted. And like, I like that lady Susan, like respected her for that at the end. It was yes. like, yeah, my like, daughter's awesome for point. like learning how to manipulate and like learning how to make her way through this world. That's such a great point. And I, yeah. And I, I weirdly love it because I, it, cause this reminds me like every time we talk Pride and Prejudice, I always have to like, I get really mad at Lydia and then I always have to talk myself down and go, Mia, Lydia is a product of society and the restrictions mm-hmm. placed upon her and she's mm-hmm. working the system and trying to have a much free. And I go through this thing. So it's like, this movie is just sort of like one long exercise in like, I'm mad at Lydia, but I know that Lydia's behavior is because of the society. You know, it's like, I'm mad at Isabella. You know, it's like, you see these, women being manipulative and, and we're, and we're so trained to be like bad woman, bad woman. And then, um, to then, uh, but when, when really it is more of a commentary on the system and it's like lady Susan and, uh, Mrs. Johnson are just two women who a have like been hollowed out by this system to the point where mm-hmm. they just don't care. And obviously it has made them like intolerably cruel, but it's also like, why are they that way? Like it is, you know, it's the only way for Isabella to get a fortune. It's, you know, it's the only way for, um, it's a tactic. And mm-hmm. that's why, yeah. okay, so, okay, I do agree with Julia, in which I do think the priest is the best character in this film, but my <laughs> favorite, because he was just, like, the most earnest, I just really love him, and I wish that actor well in a long career, um, mm. and, oh God, I think I just have a thing for all the clergymen in the, in the movies, I think that's the thing I need to investigate. the clergyman. Oh my gosh, if you have a thing for the clergyman, have you seen the 2020 Emma? <gasps> 
Yes, I have. Yeah, I've been like boycotting. I need to watch it because I was upset at the nightly casting. I was like, no, thank you. So I need to go back and see who's the clergyman. You need (laughs) need to watch it for Josh O'Connor's Elton because... Okay, he's Josh O'Connor. I mean, you have to watch him. <laughs> and in I'm my opinion, yes. the 2020 Emma is like what this movie could have been to me. Like a totally different take on Austin. That's what it felt like to me. Yes, yes. And yes. I am, I am, after seeing like these little interstitials, I am very interested in that. Okay, that's going on my list. I will be watching that. And <laughs> all of this. Okay, but my second favorite. So the priest is number one, and I will be going to see new hot Mr. Elton to check him out. But. <laughs> My actual my base my like my, my main favorite character I think is Mrs. Johnson in this and um I just like even though it's like she it's like a small part and she doesn't really like say a ton I just think I just like I I don't know there's something about like seeing the system uh, like through her that was very interesting to me and I love this conversation that they're ha- this, that they have where Mrs. Um, where Lady Susan says it's like that that Mrs. Johnson married poorly because her husband is too young to be governable but too old to die. <laughs> and I just was like, God, that just like so encapsulates like these two women's perspective on like how they can sort of like get what they want out of the world. And I just really enjoyed her. And I also really I just like like it, it didn't like get hit home for me with Mrs. Johnson until the very end when she's in the room with Mr. Martin and he's talking about cheating and she's like, just like, d- like there's, there is like a line, I think it's in sense of sensibility or maybe pride and prejudice. I do know. I do think some sense, sense and sensibility where Eleanor is talking to somebody at a party and it, there's like a line that's like, but she realized he uh, wasn't worthy of rational argument. So she smiled and moved mm-hmm. on. And I just feel yeah. like that is such an Austin like point of view where it's like a man like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. She just is like, yeah, okay, you're an idiot. And I'm just going to smile and, and move on. Not that you should, but I just, I do love seeing that perspective mm-hmm. and be relevant today. Was it weird to... Uh- like hear an American accent in a Jane Austen movie because that yeah, threw me off. It was so jarring. It was jarring every single time. Every single oh time my. she opened her mouth, I was like, "That's wrong." No, <laughs> no, I agree. Oh, well, before we wrap up this discussion on the movie, do we have any final thoughts? And these final thoughts can be like, you know, favorite scenes, or it could be like, "This is where I feel like." The movie felt short or if I this is my favorite final thought is like if I wrote this movie this is what I would do um, <laughs> um but um uh yeah I think I'll, I'll start with final thoughts which is just um uh, which is I think Kate Beckinsale shine in this movie um I think I'm trying to think if I would do anything differently um I don't know. I really, you know what? I just really like this movie a lot. And I love, I love all the witty humor. Maybe I would, no, I don't know if I would change anything. I think it's really good. And something really interesting that I read is that the director that like wrote and adapted this, um, with Stillman, uh, all the movies he did before this adaptation were other like comedy, like comedy of errors kind of a thing. Like, or, you know, like, usually like high class people having like witty conversations and being very hypocritical, um, which is like what this movie's all about. Um, and a favorite scene of mine is when um, Mrs. Johnson and Lady Susan are walking up the stairs and they're being like, God, 
what horrible behavior, you know, Reginald de Courcy had by reading my letter. How dare he like be mad at me <laughs> that I cheat so on him. If funny. he was mad at me, he shouldn't have read the letter. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, just like totally obs- like excusing her bad behavior yeah. and being like, he's the one that's bad. He read like, my letter about how like, I'm cheating on him. <laughs> we two are the only innocent people here. <laughs> yeah. It's just very, very funny. Um, so yeah, the, the, those are my final wrap up thoughts. Um, does anybody else have any wrap up thoughts? I think in my anger, um, the first time I was watching this movie, I completely missed that it was funny. <laughs> 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 and like everything she says is hilarious. Uh, I particularly love the scene with her and Mrs. Johnson and they're walking like through the street, I guess. And there's a man and he comes up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. He goes, Lady Susan, Lady Susan. And she tells him like, not now. And she, he says, Lady Susan. And she... <laughs> She yells at him to go away and threatens to whip him if he does not. And so, of course, he runs away. And Mrs. Johnson asks her if she knows him. And she says, oh, yes, I know him quite well. I would never speak to a stranger that way. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny, but it's just delivered so dryly. And with, you know, their British accents, I just completely, I think I accepted everything at face value. That and my anger completely distorted my opinion of this film at first. (laughs) <laughs> I get that That's though because so it's very funny. jarring at first I feel like I had the same thing where it took me a while to get my bearings once I got it I was like okay yes I'm riding these waves yes um, definitely yeah my last thought is um yes it's like a harder watch than any of the other adaptations we've watched besides maybe Mansfield Park um but it's uh, not even, not even because that's still sort of like more true to um like Austin tone and stuff we'd expect so yeah bit of a harder watch but like definitely worth the ride and i just like continue to be in awe of jane austen's like um like how perceptive she is for her time and how applicable it all is today absolutely love that and okay my thought is that i do want someone to remake it again and i do want them to like like elevate it Mm. beyond that like letter vibe that we definitely feel where it's like people are sort of monologuing at each other and i do think we already said that we would cast her as lady susan but i do think phoebe waller bridge should do it because i think like that would be the perfect tone and like she's so good like this movie is about like making the audience think one thing and then betraying them and Mm. you know like and that's like her specialty and also just the fact that um I just feel like Lady Susan is um, Olivia Coleman in Fleabag, and uh, um, and there is so much like 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 moments where it's like it could where it, like you could turn to camera and just be like oh my god, and Fleabag <laughs> always has felt very like Austin-y to me anyways. So I'm just like this yeah. ha- this if if people ever just any of that adaptation, please do Lady <laughs> Susan. Yeah. Also, why? Okay, sorry. One last question: Why did he call it Love and Friendship? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was that's the a- title of one of her other, um, like the 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 working title on her original, like you know, book of letters was Lady Susan. But then one of her other, like Juvenalias, was titled Love and Friendship, and so he liked that title better. That's why that's I'm why so he- confused. Yeah. It's like it already was the, t- the title of something else. <laughs> So it's I, very I confusing to, for the rest of Jay Nights everywhere. Right? Trust me. So I want people like to do it. I want it to be called Lady Susan. And that's okay. And I'm making a lot of demands. Okay. So I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was actually one of the things that I was going to mention, just like elevating it from that epistolary feel. And I was trying to like rack my brain for like what specifically I would want to see. And I think for me, one thing would just be like, I would love to see like the fill in the gap 
perhaps of like what happened between Reginald and Frederica in that time before they got engaged. Just because I I feel like, you know, Lady Susan, she is kind of hard to watch at times because (laughs) she's like stealing someone's husband and like (laughs) mean and And, um, being awful to her daughter, which is really her daughter's so sweet. Like I would just love, I think, to see the contrast of her daughter who's really sweet but you know who is still as we've talked about like working the system you know and so I think it would just be really cool to see more of that um and then also like I did really I I, we've already talked about this but I liked the beginning of the novel like again or I'm sorry the beginning of the film um both with the little spotlight situations but then the way that the movie begins in absolute chaos like (laughs) <laughs> someone runs out of a, a building and everyone is screaming like <laughs> that is very much the vibe I feel like for the last year and a half <laughs> yeah completely agree and then Lori do you have any final thoughts before we start counting up the movie tropes yeah I think that seeing another adaptation of this would be fantastic. I think, you know, we've got the first adaptation created. You can kind of see the rough draft, I guess. Um, Somebody could come behind them and like make it beautiful. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, But I can really see like the future adaptations coming because you know, somebody's going to have to do it again. Oh yeah, Yeah, totally. And I think it's, yeah, I'm, I'll be looking forward to it. Okay, well, now we usually like to end our movie discussions by counting up all the familiar rom-com tropes that we spotted. But for Austin August, are there any particular Austin tropes that we spotted? Allie, do you want to kick us off? Sure, I can kick us off. Um, This one is more of like a, uh, uh, I'll say, like a rom-com trope, but we see it in Austin too. We have a best friend who is obsessed with your love life. Um, Mrs. Johnson is obsessed with Lady Susan's love (laughs) life and really helps her out a lot. To the point where she's like risking being sent back to America to be literally tar and feathered. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So really invested in Lady Susan and Lady Susan's love life. Um, I have the trope of a secret engagement. We are Mm. always seeing secret engagements um, in Austin. Austin, and we have a secret engagement between Reginald DeCourcy and Lady Susan. And then uh, we have a partner swap. We see this in a lot of Austins <laughs> where, um, you know, in Emma, for example, we have Emma and, and Frank Churchill and, you know, people think Jane Fairfax and Knightley are going to get together. And then JK swapsies. <laughs> it's the other way around. Um, and in this, we have we think Lady Susan is going to end up with um, uh, Reginald. Reginald, and we think that uh, Frederica's going to end up with Mr. Martin and JK Swapsies. It's the other way around. Um, I love those so much. Um, uh, what else? What else? We have a ball. We have a little ball where yes, we, um, do. we see everybody dancing, and there's like a lot of coverage of like Charles and the pastor, like uh, <laughs> like dancing a lot. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, but it's like really seeing them highlighted in the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, okay, interesting choice. Such a brief uh, ball scene. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. They didn't I, usually like. There's like a whole like 
the ball scene is like a whole set piece where it's like, we're going to be in this ball for several scenes uh-huh. and like shit is going to go down in this ball. There's going to really be some like hand acting, you know? Oh yeah. Serious yes. hand acting, serious, like longing looks, longing looks, a lot of sexual tension, uh, a lot of hidden, you know, little like quippy words that mean stuff. But no, this was just purely like dancing B-roll. Nothing really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but there was a ball. Um, what else? Oh, I have like a mm, no. There's no really like I, lady trips to the like country. Mm, right. No. I guess it's like that her and really here. just like fleeing to different fleeing. Yeah, but that's not as fun as like you're yeah, a young girl like, and we're taking you into society. Right. Exactly. You're right. Yes. That does not. Um, um, oh, I have a trope where it's um, this happens a lot. And it's sad, but it is a trope where it's like a really intelligent woman gets stuck with a dumb man because of he's rich kind of yes. thing. Like you see it mm. with like Mariah Bertram when she, you know, yes. gets stuck with what's what's that? I forgot his last name. I also forget that guy's name. Uh, but yeah, Mariah Mary's in Mariah Mary's a dumb no. guy. No, what? No, what is that? Is that Persuasion or no Mansfield? Persuasion? No, uh, no, it's Mansfield. Mansfield. Okay. Um, and then who else marries a dumb oh, guy? Oh, um, oh Charlotte Lucas, Lucas Charlotte marries, marries, yeah, marries. Mr. Collins. Yeah. Um, gets stuck there. One um, might say the epitome of the dumb guy. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, that one is just tragic. I mean, they're all tragic. It's never, except for Lady Susan. Lady Susan is the only time where it's, like, not tragic that the smart woman yeah, marries the dumb guy. Yeah, that she's winning by marrying nice. the dumb guy. Which I adore. Yeah. Which is really um, lovely. Um, I, are, I have... Those are the ones oh, that get off the top. Yeah. Do you oh, guys yeah. have any? I have that Lady Susan takes the role of sort of like Willoughby and Wickham as our like mm. dark horse lady who shows up and seems great on paper and is actually like really bad. So <laughs> yeah, um, like she's representing that. Um, we have a you read fiction books moment, which y'all is what we call like when they're like, we have something in common. And again, it was just that sort of like moment that sticks out with the priest where he's like, you like the fourth commandment? That's the fourth <laughs> commandment. <laughs> <laughs> so big. Um, it ends in a wedding. That happened with uh, um, James too. James Martin. He comes up to her and he oh. asks if what she's reading and she's reading uh, a poet <laughs> but it's actually prose and he's so obsessed with the fact that she can read poems and prose. Yes! Yeah. No, yes. What? You can read? Yes! <laughs> and then um, yeah, I'll say it. You know, we've talked a lot about him. You, you know, we got a quirky clergyman who's like around um, who you sort of think you know, will play a bigger role than he does, but he doesn't, but he's there. So I'm counting him. Um, a clergyman character. Um, what about Julia Laurie and Beth? Did you all see anything that we missed Austin trip wise? You know, there is the kind of young girl runs away from situation thing, you know, like in yes. Sense and Sensibility, um, Colonel Brandon's ward, yeah. and then Lydia runs away. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah. And then Frederica ran away from school. So there's like that whole kind of thing. Yeah, thousand percent. And I think the tension between mother and daughter, I, mean, I don't know if that's totally a troop, but um, I think of Mrs. Bennett and Elizabeth mm. and then here Lady mm-hmm. Susan and Frederica, just like you want something for them and they're not willing to go along with that plan yeah. and being really yeah. upset about it. Yeah. And she is sort of like the scheming mother, but just in like a more sinister way. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> yes. 
okay, well, that takes us to 12, which which is like on the lower end of what we've been getting, which makes sense because it's sort of the least like austin we felt watching one of the adaptations. But um, yeah. that tracks. Um, and now that we've counted up the tropes, it is time to rate this Austin adaptation. As of now, we have the adaptations ranked as follows. In first place is Ang Lee's 1995 Sense and Sensibility. In second place is Joe Wright's 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Third, we have Michelle's 1995 Persuasion. Four, Amy Heckerling's Clueless. Five is Jones's Northanger Abbey. And six is McGrath's 1996 Emma, followed by seventh place, which goes to Rosima's 1999 Mansfield Park. Now, it is up to us to decide where Whit Stillman's 2016 Love and Friendship falls on that list. So this is our current ranking, Thank and you. we are looking to place Love and Friendship somewhere in there. And it is a bit of a free-for-all, so you can also pitch for your list <laughs> list and stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll kick it to you guys first. Where do you think, how do you feel about the current list, and where would you put Love and Friendship on that list? This is an excellent list. I really like it. Uh, really? Yes. Oh, no, we worked so hard on it and we thought so much about it. So that's like, thank you. No, truly. It feels so accurate, especially having, I don't know, just the order of those adaptations. And I think, yeah, yeah I, I love that you have Clueless above Emma. <laughs> it's such a good movie. Um, I know it it's always tough. fun to see a modern one in there, a modern adaptation. I would I propose putting this last though. And number eight, which probably isn't <laughs> shocking to you guys. <laughs> I would almost say to put it above Mansfield Park. But this, I think, is the Mansfield Park that gives us Johnny Lee Miller. And I can't. Yes. I can't Ooh. do, do you like him Johnny like Lee that. Miller? I love, oh my God. Love we love Johnny Lee Miller. Johnny Lee Miller. <laughs> no, really? Because he's in, yes. he's in Emma too, I believe. So yes. we're really, really big fans. There's oh like a gosh. whole episode that we just named Johnny Lee Miller. Oh my god, I love it. I love it. It's so funny. Oh, that's incredible. I think I would have to agree with best ranking, um, putting it below Mansfield Park. The only thing I'm hesitant about is I haven't seen that one yet, so I don't know how I feel Mm. about it. But yes, I'm going to agree with eighth place. And selfishly, Amazing. I want 2005 Pride and Prejudice to be first place, but that's just me. I agree, Lauren. <laughs> I, I agree, too. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. How many of you agree? Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, I think we're three against I two think- right now. Okay. I personally... I am on your side. I love the 95 <gasps> Sense and Sensibility. That movie is oh, like my, my heart on screen. So Same. I'm okay with that. Yes. Um, but the love and friendship, yeah, I kind of agree with you guys. I think like seven or eight. I personally cannot put it above the 96 Emma because I love that movie. No, and I do too. And Emma, it's like Emma ended up lower on the list. We just, we, we were, we were really feeling Northanger Abbey. You have a <laughs> we lot like, of great things on here. So I have no problem with it. I love yeah, Northanger I love Abbey. It's such an underrated it's Jane Austen so film. Felicity oh, Jones. My God. Mr. Tilney can get it. Yes. So, oh the sexual tension <laughs> in that movie is insane. It's so good. insane. It's so good. Yeah. So that's, I guess we, we have, we're having like a horny week or something. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Um, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling the same. I could go seven or eight. I don't love Rosanna's Mansfield Park um, for the same reason. It's like a modernization that sort of like takes really big swings. Um, yeah. So, and I, I almost like Lady Susan more, but I'm fine with either. 
So Allie, I feel like you're going to have the strongest take. Right. I no, I mean, I'm like, I, I'm right there with you guys. I also like Lady Susan, I think better than Mansfield Park, just because like, no, I don't know. Mansfield Park is like, yeah, I, yeah. I did enjoy, I what. I don't know. They're all good. Um, I put I I put Lady Susan. I mean, Love and Friendship probably below Mansfield mm-hmm. Park. But oh, yeah. that being said, I loved this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, That's easy it doesn't deserve last show. place. But when you're looking at those other yeah. movies, it's just mm-hmm. hard because they're all so yeah. good. Yeah, and yeah. it's all yeah. They're all champions. Is the issue? Yeah, Ugh. I think it's hard too because like that was like a book that was never supposed to be published. And mm-hmm. there's probably like, I'm sure Jane meant to, she might've like, if she had lived longer, she might've like rewritten it and like maybe fleshed it out more. And then we would have like a very, very like a big hefty, like chunk of source material to, you know, right. adapt. And, mm-hmm. and, and so, um, so we have to have a scholar. Think, you know, we have to have someone, who, scholar. someone who yeah. studies, the epistolary versions and the modern drama versions, and then looks yeah. at Lady Susan and then can work that Jane magic. Oh my gosh. Yeah, gosh. Call Dr. Flaherty. I'll start my master's. I'll just make that my thing. That's what I'm going to do. And then have a mini series and put me in this. Gotcha. Well, it seems like it's pretty unanimous that uh, we're going to put Love and Friendship as number eight, but we're feeling pretty good about the rest of the list. Mm -hmm. So that's very exciting. We came to a conclusion. Well done, everyone. Uh, I feel very proud of us. Way to go, y'all. And now it's time for our final segment, which is called Reality Check. In this segment, we test out the tropes and plot devices in the rom-coms we've just watched to see if they hold up in the real world. And a plot device we see in a lot of Austin novels is that of the intelligent woman marrying the stupid wealthy man. We see this in Mansfield Park with Mariah Bertram, Pride and Prejudice with Charlotte Lucas, and In Love and Friendship with Lady Susan. But is this something that's ever happened to us in real life? (laughs) we ever gone out with someone because they either had a lot of money or had a lot of, you know, social media followers or had some fame? Um, it's a bit of a personal question. And so I'll start us off. Um, you know, this wasn't my finest moment, but there was a time where I, someone gave me, I was talking to somebody um, at a party and they were like, oh, yeah. You know, I'm like a fine. He was basically like a finance bro who like worked a lot in like stocks and stuff, and he was wearing a really nice suit. And I was like, "Huh, I feel like he's not my type." But he asked me out, and I was like, "I bet he'll take me out to a great dinner." Um, and so I said yes, and I got a great dinner. Uh, <laughs> steak like a trash person um and i got a really nice glass of wine and it, it didn't work out um i mean the steak worked out really well that was really good um, but the conversation didn't work out because i think i was like talking about wes anderson and he didn't know who wes anderson was oh and I was my like, goodness okay what? there's a red flag <laughs> uh, and it's okay if you don't know who wes anderson is but he's one of my favorite directors so for me it was a bit of a a 
okay. I don't know if yeah, yeah like how we're gonna. Right. Get I don't know if this that. is like yeah, very compatible. Um, but um, I thank him for the delicious steak. So yes, the reality does trick up for me. <laughs> yes, I will. I will also cop um to to Santa Cruz. Okay, yeah. So I will say like yeah, this was a long time ago. And it was, yeah, similarly, it was like post to breakup. And there was just this like sort of like nice, sweet dude who similarly, he was just like a social guy and was like had a lot going on. And I was sort of like sad and after a breakup. And I was like, yeah, let's hang out and go do a bunch of social stuff. Um, but so we, yeah, similarly, we know we had sort of like nothing to talk about and not a lot of chemistry. And eventually, um, mm-hmm. it just kind of, yeah, it just kind of fizzled. But I was like, yeah, I have. Was he loaded? Was he loaded with cash, Mia? Did he no, have a nice I was, car? I was young enough to where <laughs> like it wasn't top of mind or it was like in school. Trying to be so big, but it was young enough to where that wasn't quite. But it was like, but I would, I will say, he was in the family of the finance bro. You know, like it's like a younger Uh version of that. It just, you know, like again, someone who's not really my type. Someone who it's like, yeah, I mean, I have a lot in common with, but just being like, you know what, this feels right right now. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I like, you know, it's like, look. I've been with the Mr. Martin, the Mr. Collins. I've been with a type, you know, before. And, it, you know, it was it was nice. Wouldn't want to be stuck on Lady Catherine de Borg's estate for the rest of my life with them. But yeah. um, um, <laughs> it was fun at the time. And it was a very nice gentleman. And just as I'm fond of Mr. Martin, <laughs> like, he's, I'm fond of this gentleman. Yeah. And, and I'm grateful for my steak man, too. That was yeah. a great steak. And that was very kind of him to get his <laughs> Um, Julia, Lauren, Beth, did you guys ever date someone? Oh my gosh. Money <laughs> or fame or social influence. Okay, so. Or just, oh, yes. For me, um, <laughs> high school. So, no, I mean, not his own money, obviously. <laughs> um, but that was like 100% my type was the jock class clown type of person you know like if he was making people laugh I was like I am in you know like like, sign me up um finally trapped one at one point um the first date was like (laughs) just the most boring thing I have ever encountered like it was so and it was like heartbreaking too because you know I'm like a Marianne and so in my head like built up like Oh, we're going to have like the best conversations. This is going to be amazing. I've had a crush on this guy. He's so funny and popular. Then you like get on the date and you're like, oh, I'm dying. <laughs> and you guys, this had like long-term consequences for me too, because like then when I went to college, I was like, okay, we're going in a different direction. And I started going out with like the pseudo intellectual bad boys. And that <laughs> just did not go out. Oh, like, no. Yeah. That, oh I, my gosh. I of course corrected now happily married to a uh, a Bingley um but oh, I nice. yeah I had a share of Collins's that led me to my share of Willoughby's and um yeah <laughs> and now to a Bingley oh mm-hmm. that's a Bingley. love it uh well my story takes place when I was 11 <laughs> <laughs> A time of great heartache. Uh, I went to a very, very small school, like 
there are 50 students in my grade. <laughs> so, oh my and actually, gosh. Lori and I went to the same school. We've known each other since we were Heck like yeah, 13. 53 in our graduating class, man. Wow. <laughs> uh, so we go way back, but when I, this was before Lori's, Lori's time. So when I was 11, there was a new boy. So he came like halfway through the year and it was a really big deal because yeah, there's girls, nobody in the class. Yes. 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 Okay, exactly. We all go to school together since we were like in kindergarten. So It's just like Austin pastoral country. And he had he'd moved from far away. He moved in and his family, I think was pretty wealthy, but that wasn't my motivation. My motivation was that he was the fresh meat. Yeah. And I'm so ashamed, but I totally like channeled my inner lady Susan and flirted my butt off and yes, had science class with him. And every day in science class, my objective was to flirt with him. <laughs> <laughs> and it works. I mean, <laughs> I was a major lady Susan and my man too, but there's no shame. Good. Okay, great. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. But yeah, no, it worked. It paid off. Uh, we went on a date to, uh, and when I say date, my mom drove us. <laughs> we went to Chick-fil-A and then afterwards we played lightsabers in my basement. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that sounds like a great date. I would do Wait, that that's now. So sweet so. and age appropriate and Austin-y yes. because you had an escort and you didn't get a yeah. chaperone. Yes. <laughs> I know. It was crazy that my mom let us be in the basement unsupervised. Uh, yes. But no, things... Things worked out for us for a little while. We dated like on and off for three years. Oh my <laughs> god! All of middle school. <laughs> Incredible. But I felt pretty cool because I got the new guy. Yeah. It oh, obviously yeah, for sure. Ended when we were like fourteen, <laughs> but it was great for a while. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well. Okay. I'm amazed that. Okay. First of all, the Austin mapping there is just all very clear to me. And secondly, um. Wow. Okay. It sounds like reality does check out where we all have sort of spent our time, you know, oh, with... Did we hear from Lori? Oh. Also, no pressure, Lori. Oh, you God, Lori. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I, um, it's a running gag in our show <laughs> that I'm the one who has to deem the most date-worthy man because I have no man. Uh, <laughs> both of my lovely best friends here are married and have had rather successful, I guess, dating lives. I have been a failure. Yeah, uh, like they're with you, Lori. <laughs> have not had a date ever. Incredible. Underline that. Incredible. So uh, I can, I'm, I'm feeling very charlotte <laughs> I'm, I'm 28 no prospects like i'm feeling that hard uh so that aspect of jane Except austen you're 24 out. so <laughs> exactly i'm 24, oh, I'm 24. 24. oh my gosh a baby yeah. i am i am an infant you've got time mr yeah, darcy's yeah. he's right around the corner you're yeah, still young in jane austen's era mm-hmm. you know what i you, mean like yeah <laughs> but i get it you're like you're you're like sure, Mr. Darcy can be kind, but you're keeping an eye out for Mr. Collins. Don't do it, Lori. Wait for Darcy. Exactly. Don't do it, Lori. Exactly. Wait. Wait for Mr. Darcy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, it does sound like reality somewhat checks out, but luckily, because it's 2021, none of us uh, marry have to um, have to sort yeah. of marry mm-hmm. the person. But we, it's nice to try on, check out absolutely lovely people. Nothing, you know, wrong with them, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, not a cup of tea. Not a cup of tea. Um. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, with that, 
t- done. Sadly, you guys, this is the end of the podcast. Julia, Aww. Lauren, Seth, thank you so much for joining us again. Yes, oh, thank so you so much for having us. Oh my gosh. Before you guys sign off, do you have any social media things to promote or important romance advice for our listeners? Yeah, well, we have a couple things to promote. So you guys should go ahead and follow us on Instagram. We're at Sips and Sensibility Pod and on Facebook at uh, Sips and Sensibility. And um, you can find our podcast, Sips and Sensibility, wherever you check podcasts out. And today we are releasing the first episode in our season covering Pride and Prejudice adaptations. And we are stoked. So you guys should check that out. Gosh, you know, we'll be listening. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you guys for coming on and thank you all for listening to the podcast. We have a new ep- Oh, wait, do we get romance advice? Oh no. Do you guys wait have for any- your Mr. Darcy? <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, wait for your Mr. Darcy. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, the literary <laughs> thing worked for me. The like connection over literature, it, it checked out. You read fiction That's books true. worked for you? Oh my yes, God, what was that? You read fiction books worked for me and we got married. So <laughs> it worked out so well. What'd you say? Sorry. What was the, what was the thing you had in common? Oh, uh, he listened to me talk about Jane Austen and Shakespeare and how much <gasps> I loved web series. And he was like, oh my gosh, I think I like her. <laughs> and he's an English teacher. So it like checks out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you found a man who's read Jane Austen, yes. <laughs> but he's an English teacher. So he that is. makes sense. And he actually <laughs> absolutely loves Pride and Prejudice. It's been an, a complete oh. joy to hear him talk about it. Oh, that's, that's incredible and very rare. Yes, that's very rare. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and sort of fits with the wait for Mr. Darcy. Yes, wait for Mr. Darcy. Wait for, for someone who's read Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you for the advice and thank you all for listening to the pod. We have a new episode out every week and remember to subscribe and rate. We are brought to you by Campfire Media. And P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Do you like comic books? Do you like brothers? Do you like brothers talking about comic books? Then this is the podcast for you. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. Will Hines and Kevin Hines, performers from the Upright Citizen Brigade Theater and actual brothers, talk about actual comic books they love, like Spider-Man, The Fantastic Four, and many more. If you prefer your podcast to be about fictional people talking about fictional books, this isn't it. But otherwise... Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. Campfire.